Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How are y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. Going to be talking about tons of stuff. Going to be talking first about how you know it's okay or it's time or reasonable to move in together. Bum, 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 bum. I know. But before we get into that, I wanted to just honor something amazing that happened. Essence Magazine, they put on their cover the first gay couple. That is Niecy Nash and her partner. Um, horrible, horrible, horrible with names, but I'm um, very familiar with her and her work. She's awesome and a beautiful example of love, gay love, black, queer love. Love seeing it. It's normalizing. It's beautiful. It's the world we live in. So congrats to them. What a beautiful couple. And um Happy to see it on the newsstands. Uh, caught it at the supermarket when I walked by and put the biggest, warmest smile on my face. Uh, it's a tough time, y'all. <laughs> it never ends. I haven't been really talking much about what's going on in the news, not because of lack of care or concern, but because just trying to take some space away from it. Truly, uh, we want to be evolved. We want to be aware, but we also need to sometimes take time and space away. So that's why I've been severely backing off of talking about what's going on in the news. So just wanted to kind of acknowledge that. Uh, longtime listeners know that there's a time when I, I spoke more about it, but then I realized, you know, this is the mental health show. And that's what we're really talking about. Not that what's going on in the news does not affect our mental health. Oh, we did many, many segments as to how to take care of ourselves. And, um, you know, you, you need to first limit your exposure. That's part of this. I, you know, when news first broke about what's going on with the Russian, you know, Russians invading, excuse me, invading Ukraine, um, my everyone in my practice, you could see it on their faces the the first week that that happened, um, last week essentially, and it was hard. I felt it in my body. It was on my mind. It was in my body. I felt fear. I felt sadness. I was heartbroken that um, empire and imperialism and materialism and consumerism and all these different systems that are what lead invasions, essentially, um, we haven't still figured all of this out. And so many lives are being lost. And, you know, I was watching the videos that people in the Ukraine were were making in real time of the bombings and them seeking protection in subways and trying to essentially enlist to defend their country and the government is handing out weapons and saying arm yourselves i couldn't imagine i couldn't imagine I couldn't imagine, and that's part of being an American is the privilege to often not have to imagine some of those horrors that other other people are having to face. And it's, but we have to limit our exposure because nothing constructive is done from 
overwhelming ourselves or depleting ourselves. Yes, feel the anger. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, just it's important that we are aware of what's going on. I want people to watch the news. We want to stay informed, but we don't want to overwhelm ourselves. And I acknowledge that it is absolutely a privilege that we get to participate in the news and world events when we want, and then we can turn it off and back away and pretend it's not happening. It's definitely a privilege. Um, but it's also okay for our mental health to take some breaks. We have to acknowledge that. Um, also, feel your feelings. You know, I don't want people to downplay or ignore. And and I'm bummed out also that we live in a culture where we're supposed to often pretend like it's business as usual. We talked a lot about that during COVID early on when um, schools and employers were like, well, you know, got to go to work or got to go to school. I'm sorry. We are living in unprecedented times. I was talking about that with some clients when the news first broke. They were like, I'm sad. I'm heartbroken. I'm distressed. Uh, even clients and friends have family members and loved ones in the Ukraine. And they were like, I cannot pretend, nor should I be expected to pretend like this isn't happening. And it kind of bummed me out that we don't take time off to really mourn and feel our feelings. You know, again, it really brings up that topic of with physical um, injuries and impairments and disabilities, we will honor that. If someone said, I don't have mobility in my legs, I can't walk, we're like, oh, of course, take the day off, stay home. But if someone's like, listen, I'm severely impacted by what's going on in the Ukraine, I have a loved one over there and I'm worried about their safety and can't get into contact with them, you're not going to get as much support to necessarily stay home. It's like, I'm really sorry to hear that, but uh, you got to be a, you got to be at work by one. Um, so, you know, it's that whole thing that, you know, people are all about mental health first and then they're essentially saying, but as long as it doesn't get in the way with your productivity and you still have to show up on time, it's like, that's not what mental health first means. Um, so please feel your feelings, take the time you need. Um, be kind with yourself. And also be kind with those around you because in those really difficult times when we're struggling emotionally, we can sometimes harm the relationships that are important to us by acting out our feelings versus just sharing them. So do take time to be kind with yourself and be kind with those around you, especially now, and just let those feelings exist, but we don't need to live or act from them. Because again, that's when we start to harm those around us. We don't want to do that. And we also can start to kind of isolate ourselves and push our resources and support networks away. So anyway, sending, sending, God, sending love and prayers to everyone at this time. I feel like I could say that every week. Uh, anywho, when we come back, we're going to be talking about when you know it's time to move in together. <laughs> it's such, such a heavy topic, um, but important. And then I uh, will be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM first, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics. We are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes of the show. Stick around though, more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right we are back and uh, we're talking about moving in together now, for those of you that are already cohabitating with someone, yes, this topic is still for you. I always use topics, as those, as my listeners know, as springboards, and I kind of branch out, drop some gems within there. You know, look, we we have this process in our culture called the relational escalator. That's one of the ways it's it's kind of packaged, and basically, it means that we have defined um, a, a set of what we determine to be relational developmental milestones, big clunky words to basically say, there's a way that we do things. <laughs> there's just a bunch of ways that we traditionally do things. We do step one, step two, step three. Now, the problem with all that is we worry or panic if those things aren't happening and in that order, that's the flaw, um, that, you know, the standard, you can f complicate this further, but if I reduce it all down, the standard is what? You flirt with someone, you date them for a while, you at some point have a conversation where you define the relationship. And then the expectation is, because we're talking about expectations of what the steps are, that you will become committed and exclusive, then monogamous. Then at some point you expect to be working on, excuse me, cohabitating. And then after that, most likely, whether you are on board with this or not, the world expects you at some point to get married and then to have children and then possibly to have home ownership, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the issue with all of that is not that there's anything wrong with those things, but we live and die by them. Our mental health is tied to them. We will get rid of relationships if we don't think that those things are possible or they're not happening on a timeline. That is all made up and not real. Those things do not promise commitment, love, or longevity or safety. They don't. But yet we buy into the idea that those are the things that need to happen. Otherwise, it's not serious. They don't love me. I can't trust this. I can't trust them. I can't count on this. And we feel behind and we feel immature and we feel left out if we're not doing all these things. That's the problem. And people just go through the motions. 
and don't ask why, don't realize that you have other options, don't realize that if you do the opposite of all those things, you can still have a beautiful, loving marriage. I love using examples. Oprah and Stedman have been together for decades. They are not married, they do not have kids, and they never plan to. And yet they are more in love than tons of people that are married and have kids because marriage and kids don't promise love or security as evidenced by the divorce rate, the cheating rate, and how toxic a lot of marriages are. And then again, we look at people like Oprah and Stedman, who I think are very successful, healthy, evolved people. And again, they have more trust, commitment, love, and care, and yet are not married and don't have kids and never want it. And there's a lot of couples like that, that will never live together, or they might not share a bedroom, or they might never want kids, or they might never get married, or they might never have a wedding, or they might never be monogamous, and yet have more love, care, and stability. Because what really is what creates love, care, and stability to or three or however many people coming together and, and invoking that, creating that, having that. These structural things, marriage, monogamy, having kids, living together, don't promise or bring anything with them. They are just actions we take that symbolically say that, but they don't literally say that. Just because you live together with someone doesn't mean it's healthy or full of love, right? We all know that. And people that don't live together don't mean that there's an absence of that. It's kind of like that idea that people that are single and aren't in relationship or don't want to be in relationship, that somehow their lives are smaller, more lonely. And it's like, really? I work with tons of couples that are so lonely and yet they're married with kids, but they are all alone, more alone because they're still around people and still feeling as though they're not cared for, loved, heard, or seen. So I want to just front load with that. I'm opposed to nothing except for us, uh, except for us, uh, um, ignorantly and without unpacking things, just following these developmental steps and never asking, is this what we want? Is this right for us? So when we talk about people moving in together, my first comment is always do it because you find value in it. Do it because there's a good reason. Don't do it because, well, that's what people do or because that's the next step or because I really want to do other steps and I feel like we have to do this first or I have to show my friends or family member that we're really committed and we're really taking this seriously because, not that, because moving in tells us nothing but that your bodies are waking up in the same space. I don't understand how much love you have. I still don't understand how much care you have. I still don't understand how much trust is in your relationship. Um, so that's the first comment is when should we move in together? When we have a good reason to. And the reason shouldn't be because we're just trying to take the next step. My comment to people that say things like that is, I'm gonna need you to be an adult. I'm gonna need you to actually think a little deeper. And I'm gonna need you to actually tell me a reason why. Just like any couple I work with, whatever they tell me, I want to know why. They're like, oh, we're getting married. I want to know why. What made you make that decision? Let's talk about the benefits and the downsides. If someone says we're monogamous. I'm like, I want to understand why. What part of you wanted that? What are you seeking from that? Because all these things are not always good. <laughs> Dating someone is not always a good thing. Being committed to them is not always a good thing. Marriage is not always a good thing. Cohabitating is not always a good thing. We have to look at ourselves, our partner, the context of our lives to really understand. So I call that out. I've lived with many people. <laughs> I actually very much enjoy cohabitating with people I'm in relationships with. So I'm not opposed, but we want to be very thoughtful about the reason why we're doing that. <clears throat> um, I say this on the show a lot, and I think it's an important thing to remember is that early on in relationship, what really is driving things, and this isn't bad, this is good, this is a necessary mechanism built in, is attraction and lust. Thank God for those things, because those are the early stages where every time we see a text come in from someone, we our heart races and we're excited. We don't even know what it says. 
we need those moments where we are excited to see them and we are furiously and anxiously cleaning because they're coming over and we want to, you know, present as having the most spotless bathroom that they could potentially literally eat their food off of any surface. Um, I saw a Seinfeld episode and George was saying like, I'm not really sure if I like this girl. I'm having her over. And Jerry was like, did you scrub the, did you scrub the shower or the tub? Cause if you did, then you are all in. Uh, and I thought that's really adorable because I guess I have my own version of that where I can tell how much I like someone that I'm going to be romantic with or sexual with or whatever, based on how much cleaning I want to do because I want to present and perform adulthood and, and all these other things that <laughs> That 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 in some ways does actually communicate, and in some ways it doesn't. All right, we'll take a break, and we're going to come back, and we'll keep talking about how to know when it's a smart idea to move in with someone. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, talking about the decision to move in and cohabitate with someone. So again, in the beginning of a relationship, it's lust, it's dopamine, serotonin drops. So we're obsessing about them and the dopamine spikes when they text us or call us. We're so excited to see them and we're scrubbing that bathroom because we want to perform maturity and adulthood and we want them to think that we are the the cleanest of the clean, um, all adorable things, all necessary things. That is what starts and maintains the early stages of courtship. We need that. Remember, if we weren't driven by that lust, we wouldn't walk across the coffee shop to ask them out or send that really adorable message on Tinder and set up a coffee date. Or if you're me, a donut date. Yeah, that's right. I actually go on uh, do donut dates, vegan donut dates, but um, coffee dates and vegan donut dates are my favorites. Um, anywho, <laughs> less about me. Um, but we want, though, <clears throat> to give ourselves time to kind of step outside of some of that, to really see what us and this person can do, what us and this person are relationally. And milestones have to be achieved, events have to occur, and we have to kind of move into a more neutralized place. So in those early weeks, those early months, that is not the best time to really get a great assessment or baseline around how connected we are, how compatible we are. Um, neurologically speaking, it's just not the most ideal because everything's awesome. Everything's adorable. You know, it's adorable the way they eat. It's adorable the fact that they snore. Well, that neutralizes. And all of a sudden, those things that were so acceptable and adorable in the beginning, all the things that we're willing to ignore, we are no longer willing to ignore. So we want to allow those phases to happen. I say this all the time on the show, conflict. The first time you have conflict is important. And if you haven't had conflict yet, please do not move in until you have conflict to see how you manage it as a couple. That is one of the best determinants as to how happy and sustainable you'll be as a couple. How well do you manage differences? and letdowns and disappointments <clears throat> and debate that's under the rubric of conflict. Um, we're not talking about fighting. Adults don't fight, but they have conflict. I don't agree. I'm disappointed. I'm let down by that. Hear the tone and the words. It's loving. It's soft. That's the goal. But we want to see how we manage it. If your partner in the first levels, uh, the first moments of conflict is name calling, throwing things. Oh, that's a red flag leaning into a deal breaker. Red flags mean we give it a little more time. Uh, deal breakers are it's an immediate no. Most things are actually red flags. We need to kind of track them a little bit. Some things are definitely deal breakers. Violence and abuse are definite deal breakers. And you might see that immediately with conflict and you're like, all right, I'm out. I'm out, you know, and you have to have those moments. So don't consider moving in together for a length of time. You want to be able to have a lot of different moments with them to really understand who we are as a couple. 
that's one of the flaws of long distance relationships is when you do see them, it's often just a, you know, loving vacation of sorts during the time you see them and you let things go and you're not dealing with the day to day. And so you're not really able to really have to step into that and assess that. And early dating is kind of mirrors that a little bit. So how long should you wait? I can't really say, but at least six months to a year. It really takes that long to hit enough social mental milestones to see what they're like when they're sad, to see what they're like when they're depressed, to see what they're like on the weekends, to see what they're like when we have conflict. You want to, to see what they're like around their friends, to see if we're at the same level and interest of socialization. Are we socially compatible? What is sex like? If we're going to be monogamous, their limits are my limits. What do we like sexually? Give it time. You know, so that's the first piece is, is give it time to experience a lot of different things with them. Some people, um, I mean, here's the stats. This was interesting. Same sexed couples on average move in within six months. So that's gay couples, uh, other couples, mixed gender couples. Uh, it's about two years. (laughs) That's pretty drastic. Um, yeah, from 2017, research uh, said that 70% of marriages among women under 36 years old started with at least three years of cohabitation before marriage. Uh, That's not that useful to me. Um, So coming back to the topic, I don't like that stat actually. Uh, Sit down and, you know, again, I want us to always be able to bring like a consciousness to this. Sit down and ask yourself, why do we want to live together? Why? And the answer can't be, well, because that's just the next stage or whatever. Like, I want to understand why. What are you hoping for? Because I think that's got to be a discussion. What is our What is our shared vision? What is our mission statement? Uh, deepening intimacy, um, uh, the, b- b- heightened support and care. Uh, like, what 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 are you hoping for? And don't let the answer just be because we feel like that's what we have to do. That's never going to be good enough. Um, be very clear. And then we have to break down a, a bunch of certain topics that I think are important now. When we come back, we'll talk about what they are, but I really, more importantly, want people to experience them. And that's why I'm saying give it time. We can talk about it theoretically on paper. Well, what do you like on Saturday mornings? Are you a morning person or a nighttime person? But we don't really know what that feels like or what that's like. I want people to experience it, not just talk about it theoretically, you know? Uh, So we're going to come back and do the DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. That's topics, questions, things you want us to circle back, drop deeper into. And past episodes of the show are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, share, re listen. Lots of good stuff because we got to unlearn and relearn. But uh, yeah, and then we'll be uh, getting back to our topic about moving in together. Lots to learn in that. So stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and on Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, this one's a little bit of a long one, so hang in there with us. It says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, my name is Christine, and my younger brother has a little bit of an anxiety disorder. He had to be schooled at home uh, my whole life. My parents waited on him, and my brother is now older, and I'm starting to resent both of them. He is now 30, still lives at home, and is often very unkind, mean, and angry with my mom. As a result, we don't really speak anymore. My mom says that she is worried about him, and that's why she's always taking care of him. She doesn't really come visit me anymore because she feels responsible for staying home, taking care of him. I don't want to resent them. Am I being selfish? Uh, Yes. 
<laughs> what your brother's doing with his life, whether he's living at home or not, is none of your business. Whether or not your mom decides to prioritize him, that is none of your business. All you have the right to relate to is your relationship with your brother and that you take to him directly and your relationship to your mom and you take that to her directly. But you don't have a right to tell your mom how she should relate to your brother or how your brother should relate to your mom. That is between the two of them. Yes, because you care about them both, I want you to still maybe lovingly express concerns, like, hey, you say to your brother, you know, it makes me sad sometimes that I hear the way you treat or talk to mom. Can we talk about that? That's reasonable. Or, hey, mom, it makes me really sad sometimes I see the way you're relating to, you know, our brother, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, they're both adults. And if they're like, listen, this is what this is how we choose to run our relationship, you have to exit and lean out of that. That's not for you to decide. You, you don't know better. You know, you don't, you think you do, you don't. So you can share some concerns, but if that's already been done and they haven't chosen to do anything with it, you have to, you have to lean out of that. And then you relate individually. If you, if you miss your mom and you want to see her more, you say that to her independently of your brother. You don't need to bring his name up. Hey mom, I miss you. Can we see each other more? You don't need to make her feel bad by saying, I don't see you because you're always blah, blah, blah. And you know, you're doing this with our brother. That is, that is for her. You have to have better boundaries, you know, and really relate to your mom one-to-one, -one, letting her know how you feel, letting her know what you want, letting her know what you miss, because you're trying to build intimacy with her. You're not trying to judge. You're not trying to control. You're trying to build intimacy, and you're trying to maintain your relationship with her. And you get to do that directly with your brother, if, if that's possible at all. But I, I appreciate how sometimes we don't like the way two people that are adults are relating, but we have to let go of that. There's a lot in there. I don't know what that's about for either of them. Maybe your mom knows something we don't, but sometimes it works. You know, your mom might be doing that because she likes the caretaker role, whether pathological or not. I don't know, but there's something in that that's serving her and working for her. And we can't just remove that. She's not ready necessarily, or she doesn't even maybe want that. Maybe there is something truly beneficial in that dynamic for her. I don't know. So we have to learn how to allow that, but focus more on what's going on in your life. I hear that as well. You know, put your attention more to what you need to be focusing on. And like I said, relating to your brother and relating to your mom separately, but coming back into your own life. Sometimes when we're overly focused on what's going on in someone else's relationship, it's, it's a way to avoid the pain or distress or making the necessary changes in our own lives. And so we overfocus on others. So reel it back in. Their relationship is between them and your relationship to each one of them separately is between you and them separately. We don't want to triangulate where we go to someone else uh, to relate to an issue with a third. Go to the person directly with the issues and concerns you have, period. You know, um, But again, having said all that, we are allowed to share lovingly when appropriate if the other's open to it what our concerns are. And if you said to your mom, hey, I have concerns about you and my brother, can we talk about it? And she's like, I don't want to hear that or not right now. You have to honor that. You know, I know it's hard. It's not always easy. It's hard for us to watch people we care about maybe being something not ideal, but you know, harm reduction. It's not going to be completely resolved. How can we reduce the harm? Just by being caring and available and accessible, you know, but we can't force ourselves in in that way. Um, all right, when we come up next, we're gonna um Get back to talking about some mental health stuff. I know that these topics can be really hard because we relate and personalize with this stuff, but like it's that boundary 
we, 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 we have to have a boundary between us and other people's experience and not get so infected by it all the time. I know it's hard to watch. Um, so we'll keep talking about this stuff though. But uh, DMs, got one for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, themes. We are channelq.com is where you wanna go to check out past episodes of the show. But we got a whole lot of more mental health, sex, love, and relationships stuff to come, excuse me. So stick around, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we're back and we're talking about moving in together, things to think about with cohabitation. It's an important decision, y'all, because it is the blending of our psyches, social lives. That's where we really learn about us as a couple. How much willingness do you have to uh, deal with disappointment and frustration and accommodate another? Remember, we have to be open to disruption. Relationships are about disruption. We can't expect our lives to go on as they did before, look the same, and just somehow magically and seamlessly drop this other person into our lives without any restructuring happen, happening. Yes, be prepared to have your entire week schedule changed when you see your friends, when you see your family, um, what time you get up, what time you go to bed. It's about forming and co-creating some third third thing. It's not about how they live, how I live. It's about how we choose to live as a couple. There's a lot of choice in that. And a lot of the relational experts like myself talk about that, really consciously making some decisions and choices. Some of the topics you have to be ready to um, <laughs> have conflict over, discussed, cleaning, finances, schedules, uh, time together, time apart, communication, use of technology, bedtime, social schedule, uh, what your goals are as a couple, how to literally set up the living, the living space. Yeah, complexity, all the things you don't have to encounter when you're just dating and the severity of it. Definitely different when you're just dating. Um, so all that, all of that kind of comes to the forefront. These are things you can start to talk about. And I want to remind everyone, it's not about equality. It's about equity. Equity is about fairness versus balance. Uh, some people might want it cleaner. And so they should be the ones that take the responsibility for cleaning. And then maybe your partner or the one who doesn't like it as clean can take the responsibility for cooking because they enjoy cooking and you don't. But if you're the higher desiring partner for things being a certain way, maybe choose to be the one that steps into that role versus constantly having conflict over trying to convince someone who cares less to care more about something. If you want the dishes always done and not in the sink, then maybe when you see dishes in the sink, clean them and put them in the dishwasher issue resolved or you can keep battling out and trying to remind them yes you can take that route i in my relationship i said to myself you know what i like it cleaner and i like the laundry done right away and i like the plants watered on a certain schedule instead of trying to convince someone else to find the value in that i said i'll just do it and i'm so glad i did it made my life easier by just doing it the things i wanted done a certain way i just went and did them versus trying to convince my partner to please care and to do the same way i do it why step into a battle you don't need to have and i lovingly did it because that was an act of love and care for myself and my relationship and my partner and i said you are more into the finances you handle that i'm all about the house chores i'll do that i don't mind cleaning i don't mind doing the laundry because it gets done the way I like it done. And if you have a specific way you like things done, then you go do it. <laughs> you are not more correct because you like a cleaner. There's no right way to have the dishes in the dishwasher or the sink. 
I do not agree with that. There's no law or rule. Some You are allowed to leave them in there for a week. But if you're not the kind of person who likes it that way, then you put them in the dishwasher. Yes, you can say to your partner, could you please put them in the dishwasher when you're done? I don't like it left in the sink. But your preferences and your comfort don't mean more than theirs. And if they say, I'm sorry, I do like it left in the sink for a few days, you are not more correct. You don't, you can't get mad at them for not agreeing. You're, you're, you both have equal power. That's part of equity, fairness and equal power. And your partner's right to say, I don't want them in the dishwasher right away. And so if you then do, you step in and you manage that. Truly take on what means more to you. These are things you have to talk about. How clean do we want the place? Who's going to be responsible for that? How will finances be handled? Scheduling, alone time, communication, all that stuff. And then if you're in a relationship with someone who has mental health issues, whatever that might be, depression, anxiety, you are going to have to go up against that. That will back them off of their energy levels, their interest in sex, their desire to socialize with you and with others, their ability to do housekeeping and house cleaning. Think about that. What will you do in those instances? Will you argue and fight or will you say, I'll step up and take over because I understand that you're not able to do it in those times? Talk about that stuff. And that's why dating is about slowly encountering these things. You're staying over. Maybe you're spending a couple nights. You're seeing how these things go. You're seeing how they feel. Um, because remember, loving someone and being attracted to them isn't enough. <laughs> these factors all matter too and are part of how it feels to be with this person and the impact this relationship has on your mental health and well-being. Um, so if you're spending a lot of time together, that's awesome. We want to start to do more. So when we're looking at things to consider before moving in together, the first thing is that you've spent time and you've gotten familiar and used to each other. Start spending time together. Meet each other's friends. Meet each other's family members. Start with that first because those are really meaningful, meaningful stages that will reflect back and clarify who we are as a couple. You don't want to move in together. And then find out on the other end that we actually don't enjoy the same levels of socialization. We don't want the same kind of relationships to family, or we don't enjoy each other's friends or family members. You might want to know that on the front end to decide whether or not that's a deal breaker, whether or not you are truly a compatible couple. That's in there. So explore that. I don't want to just be talked out. Experientially must be experienced to really understand the impact. All right, we're going to come back and keep talking about how you know when it's time to move in together. Stick around, y'all. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we are back and we're talking about signs that you might be ready to move in together. I have to say the word might, but I think it's an important step because you learn a lot about the relationship. Uh, <laughs> different obstacles emerge that might not have been there earlier or present in other ways. Um, but what the heck, let's try co cohabitation. <laughs> and also just a side note, always holding space for alternative ways of, you know, relationshiping. You don't have to live with someone that you're in a primary relationship with. We've spoken about on the show uh, before. It's called Living Together Apart, LTA, Living Together Apart. I think that's what it is. Yeah, a bunch of celebrities have talked about doing it, Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, a couple other people. You know, ain't so bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, Helen Fisher someone who is uh, an anthropologist that writes a lot about relationships and uh, stages of courtship also is a big fan of living separately while in a relationship. And that's something that she's applying in her own life. So something reasonable in that 
you know, again, we're not trying to fall in line and do what everyone else is doing. We don't have to go through certain relational uh, milestones. We just be where you are. But cohabitation is really adorable. It's really sweet. Lots of support, extra care, cuts those finances in half. Uh, sometimes, which by the way, Side note, do remember that it is about equity, which means fairness, not equality, because everyone has different needs. And we're learning that hopefully in the wider world that you can't give everyone the same things and the rules are the same for everyone. Really, we all have different lives and different needs and we need different accommodations. And so people should get what it is that they need. Not everyone needs the same things. And in relationships, it should go that way also with finances. If someone makes more money, well, then they should be paying more rent and maybe a higher percentage of the bills. Otherwise, you might have to drop down your quality of life and meet the lower income generating partner where they're at if you truly want equality. But I think equity, fairness, if you make more, you pay more. It's about love. It's about the relationship. It's about everyone feeling cared for, respected, and, and valued. So um, don't get hung up on fair is fair. Fair is fair. We're not 12. That's a child. Vir that's a virtue for children. Um, adults are think in terms of um, what everyone needs. Not being equal, but fair. I, I kind of misspoke in that way. Um, we all have different needs based on where we're coming from. That's the point. All right. So what are some of the things you, can, you should think about? We're going to go through a little bit of a checklist. I think this is awesome. <laughs> some of these are really basic, but you know, you got to think about it. You're used to each other. What? I know. But you want to have spent a bulk of nights together. Seeing what it is like to sleep over, to wake up together, to spend weeknights together, weekends together. It's part of the flaw in long distance relationships. You don't really get to have those experiences. You only know what it's like when you see them. And those weekends or the time you spend together are more like a vacation. They're not necessarily the day-to-day minutiae. Um, so you want to be spending most of your nights together, successfully getting through all of that, um, bumping into each other. Also, finances. You have to have the money talk. What will the expectations be? Don't wait until you move in to sit down with the bills. Talk about ahead of time. How much are you making? How much am I making? What What are the expectations on what each of us will put into these bills? What can we afford? I know money's a hard one. We live in a classist society where we want to judge people based on how much they make. And so it's a hard question to say, how much do you make? But if you're going to live together, you should be talking about it. We should all be able to talk about how much we make. It shouldn't be tied to our worth or value as a human being. And employees should be discussing with each other what they make as a way to support each other in getting fair, fair paychecks. Um, I'm a big fan of people being very transparent with income and, and all of that. We got to get away from these arbitrary boundaries that we set up. Um, but talk about money. You want to be on the same page ahead of time. Don't wait till after you've moved in to sit down and say, all right, 50-50. And then the person's like, oh my God, I make 60 to 70% less than you make. That's not going to happen. We don't want to be moving into stressful dynamics around bills. Um, save yourself all the drama by talking about it ahead of time. And also remember, it's not just about hammering out the issue. How you go about discussing difficult issues like finances also is an assessment of the two of you as a couple. So it's not just the content, money, it's also the process. Let me pay attention to how it is we talk about such things. Fill in the blank, this time it's money, you know, that matters. Um, it all matters, that's what I say. It's not like, oh, it got really gnarly when we talked about money, as though somehow that doesn't tell us what it'll be like in the future to talk about other difficult things, because it absolutely does. We wanna take that into account. Chores, <laughs> I know, it's a big one. How tidy are you? How clean? What are the expectations? And again, as I say all the time, the person who likes it 
messier, the less desirous partner, the person who wants or enjoys less sex or traveling less or cleaning up less is going to be the one who tends to kind of set somewhat of the standard. But remember, just because you like it cleaner doesn't mean you are correct. No one is wrong. No one is correct. You each have different opinions. You each move through your living situation differently. Neither one of you is more right or more correct, but somehow magically the person who likes it tidier or cleaner or neater somehow self-righteously thinks that they're the correct one and that everyone should be meeting them where they're at. That, where they're at. that is not true. As a couple, you sit down and decide and talk that out. You might need, the cleanest person might need to chill out a little bit. Maybe the messier person needs to step it up. I don't know. Y'all figure that out for yourselves, but neither one of you is correct. It's just different, different ways of moving through the world and different opinions. That's a very important one, the chore thing. Uh, maybe have a game plan, maybe have a chore chart. And like I said earlier, if someone prefers a cleaner, maybe let them be the one who does the cleaning. If you like a cleaner, you do it and let the other person take other responsibilities. I, I took that on in my relationship. I was like, I like a cleaner. I'll just do the dishes. I'll do the laundry. I'll do most of the housekeeping because I also don't mind it. I love this person. So I don't mind taking on that labor. And also because I want it done my way. So I'll just do it versus battling that out. My partner can take on other responsibilities. It's a big one. Um, and then also you have to get into a conversation about socialization. I have seen some couples where one person likes having people over, people over unannounced, um, maybe even heavy drinking. The other person's like, I don't like people over and I'm not really a drinker and I don't really want to spend weekends having a bunch of people boozing it up, bumping around in the house. Uh, I know that might be something that the younger crowd has to talk more about than some of the older crowd, but still something to discuss. How do we want to deal with visitors, socialization? I know I personally don't like house guests at all, ever. I don't care who it is. That was something in my relationship we had to really hammer out. I was like, I don't want people staying over. We have a guest room. I still don't like people in my space. I'm big on privacy. We're going to take a break, though, and we'll keep talking about uh, moving in together, things to think about, and pitfalls. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, y'all. All right, we are back and we are finishing up our discussion on cohabitation, things to think about, things to consider. Before the break, I was talking about how I don't like house guests, period, end of story. Plenty of space for them, don't like them. I like privacy. I want to wake up in the morning. I don't want to have someone else uh, drinking coffee next to me. And so in my relationship, my partner, my former partner, really valued having friends and family members over and staying with us. And we had to hammer that out. And I was like, Airbnbs exist, hotels exist. I get that your family traditionally does it that way. My family traditionally doesn't. Neither one of us is more right or more correct. It's different. And we have to come up with a plan as to how we'll manage that. Maybe it's about them staying for shorter periods of time. I don't know. You have to figure out what that will mean for you, but these are the kinds of things you want to talk about, how you will have house guests, people visiting, things like that. So really sit down and talk that out. Again, it's better to have figured this out ahead of time before you move in. Moving in can heighten that intensity where you feel trapped and you can panic. Having these conversations ahead of time not only makes living together smoother, but you also learn about each other as a couple. And maybe you'll learn we're not a great couple. We are too different. Or more importantly, like I said before the break, it's not always about the topic. It's also just tracking how do we as a couple have difficult conversations. And through these conversations, you might realize this is not someone I trust that we can lovingly deal with all the different things that are coming down the road that are just part of being a couple or in a relationship. So we're talking about get used to each other, talk about money, talk about chores, talk about house guests, talk about friends. All of those things matter. Talk about cleanliness, all of that. Track how you as a couple deal with these difficult conversations. 
because everyone needs to have a space, AKA their home, where they feel like they can be themselves, where they feel like they are respected, where they feel like they are cared for, where they feel like they are honored. Yes, life will throw things at us. There's more to come down the road. We can't predict and prevent everything ahead of time, but these are the, you know, these are some of the big issues that tend to come up. Um, it's quite, it's quite wild, you know, but it's, it's important stuff. You might even want to sit down and have a mission statement. Like what is our goal in living together? Why do we want to do that? What do we want to make sure we prioritize or center so that we really have a sense of everyone's expectations? Is it about saving money? Is it about more intimacy? Um, that's important to know. Uh, that can help us understand what our partner is seeking. And then we can kind of set some of those boundaries. Um, but again, that's why I always say, don't do it too soon. Give it, give it months and months, give it ideally at least a year, at least a year so that you can go through all these different experiences together, learn about yourself as a partner and where your work is, let them learn about themselves and where their work is, and then learn what it's like as a couple to kind of get through all this. But when I was looking through some of the research on this, just very briefly, a lot of the work was really on making sure you're not moving in too soon. There's like a heavy focus on the, on the time. It wasn't so much on what to think about or what to do, but it was on the time. Um, and one, uh, one interesting thing that I thought was great was a, randomly one of the things that an author referenced about being a determinant that you should be able to move in together is that you can argue without yelling. And I love that, that you can deal with conflict without getting abusive, without name calling, without throwing, without yelling. Um, that's, that's huge because when you're living together, that really amps up the intensity and the pressure because there's nowhere to go. When you don't live together, you have a lot more freedom. You can get in your car and drive home and you feel more empowered because you have somewhere to go. But when you live together and if you're financially dependent on that person, that can lead to the cycle of abuse where you stay when you shouldn't, and then they apologize and then it happens again. Um, so that's a big one. Um, make sure you can actually deal with conflict. And once you're able to do that, work on that if you can't, knowing that you want to live together. But if you're not able to pull that off, it's not, it's not time. I think that's a really important one. And also another thing that I thought was meaningful that came up is having awareness and awareness of your partner's habits and idiosyncrasies, the things that are a little annoying, a little frustrating. And, and are you willing to accept those? Because again, living together, dun da 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 amps up the intensity of that because you're with it nonstop around the clock and you're thinking, oh my God, I have nowhere else to go. I have to deal with this. So making, make sure it's not just about convenience and it's not just about saving money because your mental health and their mental health matters. And those reasons aren't going to make what isn't working work. You have to be ready to deal with the challenges. And so I love that one. Like, are you able to really manage conflict lovingly? Dun, dun, dun. All right, coming up next, we're going to be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. That's questions you got, topics you want covered. Maybe it's some things you want us to circle back to. I love hearing that. Sometimes we breeze by, gloss over, and don't drop deeply enough into a topic. And some of y'all have been great about saying, hey, you mentioned this, wanted to hear more, wanted to learn more, um, or even just something in general. Um, I don't, I don't, yeah, put it in the IG page on the uh, Loveline, Loveline IG page in the DMs. Um, and also past episodes. There's a lot of good stuff over there, and it's about unlearning, relearning, uh, spending time with, and just really building in a practice. So we are channelq.com is where you want to go. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, share, re listen. Um, it's all about that consistency, you know? 
the world's throwing a lot of stuff at us and we got to find resources to kind of combat that. So, um, yes. All right. Coming up next DMS. Uh, yeah. So stick around y'all. You are listening to love line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the Markable Fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, we are back. And uh, now it is time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Right. This one says, Dear Dr. Chris and Loveline, uh, my girlfriend and I, we've been together for a little over three years. However, we have no spark anymore. We don't kiss. We don't cuddle. We don't have sex. We've had sex one time in the past year. Right now, I feel like we're just friends. Even when I want to try to cuddle. Wait, even when we try to cuddle, I almost feel like I just want to go away. Do you think this can be fixed? Ah, that's a good question. I also actually think it's one that a lot of people can uh, relate to. So a few things. First thing I say to people is don't panic about where you are in your current romantic, sexual, or affectional life because it ebbs and it flows. You know, part of what impacts how much sex we want, how much affection we want, how much sex or affection we can, you know, tolerate, all that has to do with a lot of different factors. What's going on in our lives stress-wise, how attractive and desirable we feel, how we feel and relate to our bodies, uh, all sorts of different things. So the first thing you want to do is you have to have a really honest, soft, curious conversation about what's going on as a group. Hey, can we talk about the fact that we don't have sex? We don't have affection um, with a curiosity to understand maybe your partner has something really reasonable to share with you and be open to hearing whatever that is. So start there for a second. Also crank down some of the anxiety by realizing, like I said, that this is a phase and how you manage this is part of building trust or eroding at trust. How you manage this is part of you expressing true commitment to this partner in this relationship. So take these conversations seriously. Um, whether you're the one initiating it or the one you're approached or you're the person who's approached by another about this. Um, and also be open to all different ways of, you know, coming back to it. Cause that's what I say. If sex has been gone for a while, we want to slowly reincorporate it back. 
I'm afraid that maybe you're honoring that distance and that's making them honor that distance. And then it's a feedback loop of complete avoidance. So start to try to create the kind of relationship you want. If you want more affection, start trying to reintroduce affection every single day. Do something that's romantic, affectional, sensual, or erotic. Slowly refamiliarize yourselves with it. Normalize it for yourself, your partner, and your relationship, and slowly ease back in. So just start, start at the beginning of the courtship stages again. Start just flirting. That's it. Just say for the next couple months, I'm going to renormalize and familiarize us with flirting. I'm going to flirt. And also start attracting, doing things that make you feel attractive, do things that make your partner feel attractive. Again, we're normalizing, we're slowly bringing it back in. And then after doing that for a while, slowly move into the sensual and the affectional. Start holding your partner's hand whenever you have the opportunity to. Start leaning up against them and cuddling whenever you have the opportunity to, because we're building upon the attraction and flirting that we did before. And this is all part of foreplay. Foreplay starts weeks, months before. It's refamiliarizing and normalizing. And then you'll slowly maybe slide back into the erotic. But have that conversation first to really get on the same page that we're going to work on building this back in and understanding what the obstacles might be. What is it that we need to do? And I just told you to build it back in. But you also want to explore what do we need to remove that might be a block? It's not always about more addition or hitting the gas. Sometimes it's about removing things that are a block or a break. What's pumping the brakes? What's getting in the way? Is there the dog sleeping between the two of you? Is it that you go to bed at different times? Is it that you aren't like showered and brushing your teeth? Is it that romance has just been dead and lost? Is it that there's a lot of conflict and you're not getting along? So you have to look at it from both sides. What, what's, what's, the, what's making us hit the brake and stopping us? And what's also not letting us hit the gas and bringing it in? But move slow, slow move back towards. We don't want to overwhelm. We want to refamiliarize and normalize and um, make sure you're on the same team and um, really be collaborative about it and get yourself into a new phase where we're going to explore, we're going to try, we're going to reprioritize. Sometimes that's all it is, is we just backed off of prioritizing. We thought it meant more to focus on the kids or our jobs. Maybe you need to work less, be around more. Maybe you need to work on just rebuilding your friendship. So there's your, there's what you got to do and then really face whatever comes out of all of that. And maybe you'll realize through all of that that we've just fallen out of love or the chemistry was never there. It's a journey, keep assessing it, but you gotta be on the same page with the work and you gotta get that conversation going and then plug away. And if that doesn't seem to help, book a session with a certified sex therapist, a CST, certified sex therapist, like myself, that's what we do, you know? Um, good luck with that though, you know? A lot of people will find themselves in similar situations. That is our show. DMs, drop them in the DMs on our Level NAG page. We'll see you next week, y'all. Have an awesome weekend. As always, thanks for hanging out, and you all enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 